This is the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. I recently invited Ethan Levy from Network back on the show to talk about an interesting concept called the Tower of Want. The concept of Tower of Want is something that Ethan created some six years ago to help free-to-play game designers to create long-term goals through understanding the short-term and long-term loops and the player motivations that drive a successful free-to-play game. But before we go to this episode, here's a few words from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Pollen VC. Hypercasual is all about speed in its core, but payout delays from ad networks can make a huge difference in the ability to reinvest into UA and developer payouts. So we have been working with Poland DC to enable us to eliminate payment delays and optimize our finances. This has helped us to build a progressive publisher with fast payouts to our developers to bring more great hypercasual games to market. That was Alish Yakubov, CEO of Ducky a fast-growing, hyper-casual games publisher based in Moscow. Pollen VC provides credit facilities to fund UA spend, as well as a suite of free online financing modeling tools to help visualize ROAS, LTV, and cash flow. Visit pollen.vc to check out the tools and learn more about our non-dilutive financing to help you scale. All the developers out there that are looking for an easy game server auto-scaling solution should definitely check out GameEye. Choosing GameEye means choosing your players, as GameEye is a platform-independent solution. Game sessions are spread out over multiple providers to ensure redundancy and to achieve the best possible coverage in every region of the world. GameEye is your one-stop shop for all your server orchestration needs. They have many integrations already in place, ready to go. You also can connect to your favorite matchmaker, anti-cheat solution or network optimization tool to their orchestrator and start running game sessions. They provide the APIs for this. Take advantage of automated capacity management and always have resources to run game sessions. Scale when you need it in locations close to your players. Check out GameEye.com, that's GameYE.com, to see what they're up to and to connect with them. Hey game developer, are you looking for great new authentic video creatives? Try something totally new with influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific creative content for your games. An opera event will deliver you high quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Get a free video with a purchase of four or more videos. Remember to say that Elite Game Developers sent you to claim your free video. Go to getigc.com to see some examples and get more information. That's getigc.com. All right, we're live, Ethan. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. So, uh, To the listeners, I wanted to bring back Ethan for another episode to talk about this concept that 
he basically presented at was it GDC or another gaming conference? A, like a couple. Years ago? It's it was at the Casual Games uh, Convention and GDC and probably the East Coast Games Conference too. Yeah, yeah. This concept is called Tower of Want, which is sort of a, about the the long term player needs in a game, about the goals that the player is going after, and it. When you have those goals really well structured, it, it leads to you actually having long-term retention in your game, like going past day 30 to like beyond to years even. So I, I wanted to, to chat about that with, with Ethan since uh, we actually utilize the system a lot at Next Games. And, and I know a lot of people were really like interested in this concept. So I want to share it to the listeners today and uh, but yeah, uh, welcome back, Ethan. Uh, happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back. It was a lot of fun to do that first episode. And uh, I'm really uh, delighted by the chance to talk about the Tower of Want again. You know, when we started talking about it a few weeks ago, I really, you know, it made me really happy knowing that uh, the, the presentation and the deck was something that was of value to you and other, other developers. Um, because, you know, you do those GDC talks and, and sometimes I feel like I'm putting all my special knowledge in. Uh, is anybody listening? Are they even using it? And it's, it's good to know that, that uh, the, the developers out in Helsinki found it valuable. Um, you know, it's really funny. I, I went back and listened to that lecture and it's, I think it's like six years old at this point. And I just thought like, who, who is that guy? He sounds, he sounds really smart. I wish I could work with that guy. Like... <laughs> Yeah. There's there's a type of, of thinking I was only able to do really when I was a consultant, where I was uh, really watching the top charts and playing a lot of games very deeply, um, probably uh, managing four games where I was playing six sessions a day, 10 minutes per session, like really getting into the elder game. Um, and that was like the only way to, to, to really understand why people are becoming, you know, years long retained users and high spenders in, in Forex games and um, uh, idle battlers and that sort of thing. And just, you know, analyzing what works and coming up with theories why. And, and for the past six years, I've been in a much more operational role. And I feel really removed from that person who was able to like really succinctly bottle up what was working in the market. And uh, I'm, I'm starting to revive that a little bit more as I'm spending time, not just on Tetris, but also working on network scale platform. You know, that's our publishing arm where we're like, uh, I'm always trying to find new games in the market with growth potentials. I've started writing some case studies and giving advice to some of our developers. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of revitalizing that consultant part of my brain as I'm working with other game developers externally, not just internally. Um, so you asking about the Tower of Want was, was real timely for me. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm curious, do you find that with elite game developers and, and play ventures and your role in investing and advising startups, like you're a different person than what you were operationally when you were building games hands-on uh, with Next Games? So the difference, yeah, definitely is that I'm sort of like more observing, like even more removed from making actual games. Uh, so is different, but I'm constantly being pulled back into those situations of thinking about the product of how how can you actually utilize uh, sort of long-term goals to to keep the players longer. So when I'm 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 talking to founders of startups who are doing games, I'm I'm sort of like observing what kind of this design 
decisions they're doing and how they're working on their concepts. And I, I see it, that the, a lot of focus goes into the gameplay that the player faces in the, the first week of the game. So I think the, the Tower of Wands sort of like needs to, to come back uh, in a big <laughs> way for people to, you know, see that, like, how do you visualize long-term goals and how do you think about them? Yeah, and that was, I mean, that was kind of the inspiration for putting this episode together, right? We were looking at uh, a company the other day and in the deck laying out the team and their strategy and just all the standard pitch stuff, there was the obligatory core loop slide um, for their first game. And and it was fine. It was a, a perfectly fine core loop. The player does this, then they do this, then they do this, rinse and repeat. And, you know, with so many years uh, between both of us working in free-to-play games, we've seen this core loop diagram countless times before, and you just yeah. kind of gloss over them. You don't even really pay attention to them. Yeah, that's the thing. So, like, often when you see these loops, uh, you you know for a fact that they, they become old quite quickly for the player. So the novelty wears off and excitement and, and feeling that there's agency for the player in what's going on. I think the developers know this, but it's sort of like hard for them to to put it on paper or like pitching or or like thinking about the concept. So like I remember that the concept of the Tower of Want was really like emphasizing the way that the players sort of graduate from one loop to the next as they play the game for you know weeks, months, or years even. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of the key concept we'll get into in a, in a minute. And, you know, just to think about the origins of how I came up with the idea for this tool, um, I was looking at one of those core loops in, in a deck uh, years ago. Um, I was talking to some developer and they were explaining the core loop to me. And it was really like as, as a designer telling me nothing that mattered. Um, just like I felt when I looked at that deck the other day, it didn't really capture the long-term motivation for the player. It didn't explain how the game was going to create desire in them and use that desire to retain them over the course of years and, and to monetize them. And, you know, in this specific instance, the more I probed the developer trying to get at the deeper questions, the more I realized this person had no clue about their long-term game for the product. They had, they had no vision for what the player would be doing past that first week, you know, into year one, they had no vision for the arc of the player experience or what their elder game was like, why a player would even spend money. And so that experience uh, provoked two thoughts in me, you know, the two responses. The first was, oh, this, this game is going nowhere. I, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. And the other response was, hey, I should really develop a tool to help free-to-play developers help solve these sorts of long-term challenges. And so that's, that's where the Tower of Wand came from. Yeah, man, that's cool. Yeah, I, I think it, it is so valuable to put time into planning the, the long-term gameplay and the sort of like elder gameplay where you where you want people to end up as you're doing free-to-play games. So like the fact just is that people won't stick around if so it's not fun where what they're doing every day. If it sort of like becomes this monotonous gameplay, it's not challenging, it's not rewarding. So they're gonna they're definitely gonna leave. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean just subjectively as a player uh, it's the long-term depth that really makes me want to make something my main game instead of just something I'm picking up for a day or two and then I never play again. You know, it's it, that depth is really what in, underpins the ability to have meaningful long-term retention and ultimately 
be the type of business that can achieve the scale that you as an angel investor are looking for, or we at the network scale platform are looking for when, when evaluating if we should invest in a game. Um, so but before we jump into the specifics, uh, I'd love to learn a little bit more about what it's like on the investor side when you're hearing game pitches and how the long-term game and monetization do or, or don't play a role in your evaluation when you're uh, feeling out a potential company to invest in. Um, so first, just, you know, when people pitch you, are they typically pitching like an individual game, a thesis for a company or both, right? Are people saying, this is my game, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Poke- Pokemon 2, or are they saying, this is our company, our, our thesis is we're building Pokemon collector games. You know, what, what, what are people pitching when they get in the room? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have gotten the message that they should be pitching you know, the, the company and uh, the team and basically a vision first. Uh, but like after that sort of like looks great and it's good, like then comes the, the game, which is sort of usually the, the crux of what, what you start discussing about afterwards where you can really lead into like, is this like a, a bet as an angel investor I wanted to do or not? Because usually you don't have a game yet. You don't have metrics. So you're talking to the founders about the idea that they have. So I believe that the, the game idea tells a lot about the founders, how they think about the market and what they see are the risks with the, the idea that they've picked. And, and how important to you are the specifics of the game that's being included? Are developers just sharing some key art and a core loop or are they sharing detailed designs for the long-term game? Oh. Most of the times there's really nothing there like very concrete about like why there would be a long-term game. There is some talk mm. about, you know, what players would be collecting, what they might be doing, what is the sort of like the, the arc of the player journey, but it's often not as convincing. Uh, I think they, they focus a lot on the early stages. So like if they have experience in free-to-play, they might lean towards talking about live ops events, tournaments, and you know, collecting a vast set of characters and items. But it's it's not usually like very front and center in these pitch Got decks it. on like what happens in the long term. Got it. So at the invange, at the angel investment stage, it's not really part of the typical pitch. No. But it might yeah. be the kind of information that's kind of woven throughout the deck. I'm guessing it helps give you confidence. This team knows what they're doing and they have what it takes to build a business that, that can scale. Um, how do you personally evaluate a game's monetization potential? I mean, this is important, right? You're looking at games for exponential growth potential. So monetization should be a critical part of that puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm always seeing engagement and retention as being the, the key business drivers for any kind of free to play game. So like that's the hardest thing to solve really is like, how do you retain people and how do you, how do you sort of like keep them coming back for months on into the game so that you can start stacking DAU and, and building a, a big game for yourself. So I think like if you can manage to have retention, you will eventually have monetization happening because people are already like doing their time investments. So they, I think the, the next step is to do the, the cash investment like one way or another, it will happen. So if 
like if you if you get people to stick around like a person will end up spe- spending and you can improve on that so it's like if but like if people put the game away and they don't come back then you're not going to be monetizing anybody right right yeah i see that 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 ties into the post you wrote uh, about the differences between the d team c team b team a team and how big a role the quality of a team makes in your investment decisions right if you have a str- a team with strong fundamentals they're able to deliver a game with winning metrics for the genre, then you're confident they'll be able to solve issues around monetization over time. Right. I guess I just like, I I spend so much time as a monetization consultant. I just assumed it was front and center in investors' minds as well. But um, you know, what I'm hearing from you is if I've got a great team and they can solve retention, retention is the hardest problem. And then we can get to monetization once we have that long-term retention. That's great. So yeah, is the long-term arc of the software important when you're considering an investment or are you mostly just thinking about the team and the quality of the concept and, and of the insights they're bringing to the table? Yeah, there's a lot there actually. So like I, I mentioned, I think it's a combination of looking at the team, their track record and the game idea that they're going after. So I've seen highly talented teams pitching me like a, a MOBA mm-hmm. and I'm like, sure, this is a really great team but why are they going after this idea which is going to be super hard to pull mm-hmm. off because there's so many like the the example of how many dead bodies are already in that market like <laughs> yeah uh, i've had my like, hand in a couple actually yeah. yeah like have, have these developers looked at like how difficult it is so uh, last year i wrote this this article about product strategy for for gaming startups and i really like it when these experienced teams start off with some kind of low risk product. So they want to break in their team to, to have a, you know, a development team that knows each other really well, uh, user acquisition team that knows them, knows each other really well. And they start off by doing something less risky, which, you know, can prove, you know, that they can build games that retain and monetize and then go after that bigger game. So I don't really expect founders to actually come to me with the elder game, but I, mm-hmm. I I will be reading sort of like a lot from what they're talking about when they're pitching, because that will sort of reveal also what they think about the elder game. Like right. even if it isn't a slide there, but it, like it's, it's beneficial to have that as a slide, at least in the appendix of like, hey, this is how we imagine uh, how it could work. So yeah. It's a great topic to spend time on. So like, yeah, I'm a big fan of solving, (laughs) sort of like solving and working on long-term retention. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing all that insight. I think um, that investor perspective really helps us understand the value of a tool like the Tower of Mont. And, you know, from the publishing side on, on the network scale platform, the monetization design is of extreme importance, right? We're investing in, at a different time. We're, we're funding marketing, not development. So whether you get published or not is entirely a function of your cost per install and the engagement and monetization of those acquired cohorts, right? Um, so long-term retention, long-term game monetization is, is extremely important um, when you're looking at that from the publisher angle. So th- that all brings us to the topic at hand, which is the tower of want. And, um, At its simplest, a Tower of Want is a series of escalating short and long-term goals, each of which feeds into the next goal. This is how I frame the transition of your player from a new player just enjoying the minigame 
to being deeply immersed in your event-driven elder game or elder games. It's how I think about uh, the systems that drive the success of hit free-to-play games, whether it's Legendary or Game of Thrones Conquest or Coin Master, right? And so it's just, a, it's a mental framework. And, mm. and that, that description, uh, an escalating series of short and long-term goals, each of which feeds into the next goal, that, that feels really dense, really a- academic. So I like yeah. to make it concrete, you know, with an example from the real world to understand the difference between looking at a system as a core loop versus looking at it as a tower of wands. So um, let's, let's talk about, uh, I'll use this example uh, from a real world experience. I'll call it the homework game, right? We'll talk about the homework game for a while. The, the homework game looks like this. Uh, I do homework and I study to gain mastery of a subject matter. And then I take a test and get good grades, which earns praise from my teachers and my parents. And I repeat this loop for 16 years until I'm done with college. And I sink time and focus in homework, I tap knowledge. Uh, I sink knowledge into exams. I tap good games and praise. And uh, then if you want to think about how does that core loop monetize? Well, on the um, on one side of the loop, I can pay for additional study materials like books or training software, or I can pay for private tutoring. Um, and then those, those are on the homework side of the loop. On the exam side, I can pay to cheat. I can get the exam questions early, or I can get pre-written essays, that sort of thing. And uh, does that does that core loop, the the homework game core loop, uh, sound like uh, something you'd hear in a pitch deck uh, from any game with resource management? Yeah, well, that would definitely sound great. <laughs> but like, still, <laughs> I would say ninety percent of the the pitch decks don't yeah. go as well into the details of what's happening in these like. Uh, core loops and like how you're going and progressing to the uh, towards an elder game right so if i would see like a a tower of wands in a pitch deck i would be (laughs) you know very happy about that yeah okay so so i just shared with you the core loop version um and and let's look at that tower of want version of the homework game and and kind of show how it um what it reveals about the elder game of the homework game Right. So um, the, the Tower of Want version of the homework game looks like this. I want to do homework and study so that I can get good grades. I want to get good grades so that I can attend a top university. I want to attend a top university so I can get a job at a top company. I want experience at a top company so that I can get into Y Combinator. I want to get into Y Combinator so I can raise funds from a top VC firm. I want to raise funds from a top VC firm so I can be a successful startup CEO. And I want to be a successful startup CEO so I can have uh, take a company public and have a big exit. And then once, once I have that big exit, I can finally afford to buy a house in, in an overpriced real estate market like San Francisco. Um, I'm not sure what the real estate market's like in Helsinki, though. Like I, Maybe you can win that homeowner elder game a few steps down from being a big uh, successful CEO. But uh, now that I've taken it from core loop uh, to tower of want, does that sound a little bit like I've captured some of your experience over the past 20 years? Oh, man. Uh, sure. There's there's some <laughs> like similarities there. But like I think like for personally, like entrepreneurship was sort of like a calling for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I I had two startups in my career. So the first one failed and the second one, Next Games, went a lot better. And in between, I was at Supercell, but like I, I just couldn't work for somebody else. Uh, so I had to 
you know, move on to, to start mm-hmm. another company. But early on, like, sure, I, I had, I first did the, you know, the university loop mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I could land a job in the, you know, in the IT sector here in Finland and go mm-hmm. into that loop. And then, then I left to do my startup in the startup loop. Uh, and the first one didn't go well. I needed to, you know, gather some resources and then do another <laughs> startup. Which you had to buy a gacha did. pack or two. Yep, yep, and uh, save up energy uh, to do do the second one, uh, which then did well. Uh, if if you consider like an IPO, doing good. So I, I think I'm, the <laughs> listeners would would definitely consider that winning. <laughs> yeah, well, now I now I'm sort of like in this angel investor loop or something. But like, yeah, maybe this is sort of the elder game since I'm already in my in 40s, like right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, I think you're in the mid game right now, right? Yeah. Um, but use, using the homework game as our example and our lives as simulations of playing the game, you can see the difference between when I just described the homework game as a core loop versus when I described it as a tower of want. The tower of want has shown us years and years of potential gameplay. And now it'll even show us the possibility of multiple different elder games, right? As you said, uh, other founders may have been trying to win what I'd call the big exit elder game. But it it sounds like for you that that wasn't the motivation. Kind of self-actualization is what I'd call your elder game where you're you're in entrepreneurship um, because of a calling. And, and both of those elder games are valid paths from that first core loop of, of do homework. Um, so w- when you're picturing, when you're building this tower of want, so that I can is the key phrase, mm. right? I said it, it's an escalating series of short and long-term goals, each of which feeds into the next goal. So yeah. from the example, you can see the escalating series of things the player wants. First, they want good grades and they want praise from their parents. Later, the player wants to raise money from Griffin Gaming Partners or Play Ventures or, or someone similar. Um, this is a step I imagine a lot of players in the audience are working. And then even later, the player wants a big exit. And in the example, I, I stopped at the player wanting real estate, but even, even then the journey isn't over. Uh, that's why I, I'm, you know, I'm joking, but like you're, you're kind of personally in the mid game for the homework game, right? Because from there, maybe the player won the big exit elder game and what's next. Maybe you want, the player wants to be a repeat founder or the player wants to found a unicorn or become a VC that, that backs the next great unicorn or start a nonprofit that brings clean water to needy children around the world. Uh, The homework game has countless elder games and countless things to want, no matter which rung of the ladder you're on, right? Like there's always something else to want. Steven, Steven Spielberg didn't stop directing after saving private Ryan and Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger didn't stop buying companies after blue chip stamps or seize candies, right? They're still out there. I, I went to the shareholder meeting a couple of years ago. They're still out there just sitting yeah. on a giant pile of cash, drinking Coca-Cola and eating chocolate yeah. candies and looking for the next great investment when, when other people would have retired a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you started the elder game, the homework game, as a player, you didn't have a clear picture of the end game. You didn't know where it would lead. Just like when I was a chubby teenager doing homework in a basement in suburban Chicago, I didn't know that the essay writing and presentation skills I was learning in Mr. Swanson's English class would be the same skills that would land me a consulting job on call of duty or the same skills that would land me a full-time position at network 
where I got to join this amazing team and be a part of building legendary, right? The mm-hmm. Ethan who, who just started the homework game only understood his short-term goal, which was get good grades. And this short-term goal led him to the next goal and the next goal and the next goal. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I think that's, that's the critical thing is like life isn't sort of like this linear path. And as you age, you start figuring out what you're sort of interested, like this intrinsic motivation comes up and you start mm-hmm. noticing what you're sort of like motivated by intrinsically versus like these external motivations of like going for cash, then maybe you should be a lawyer or somebody, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you rather do games because you're in, in, like intrinsically motivated towards yeah. that. So I think great games provide this agency for, for a player to do more of the things that they really love to do to build their own journey inside the game. Uh, so I guess the power of want can branch in different directions depending on what you sort of discover that really matters for you in the game. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the same way the Elder Game branches in this example in the homework game, uh, so does it in the Elder Game of Great Live Ups experiences it branches, right? For, for a typical mid-core game, if I'm uh, playing AFK Arena, for example, or Legendary or any other, right? Uh, some players might specialize in PvP and want to be the best competitor in the world. Some players might specialize in GVG. Some might specialize in PvE. Some players might care about collections or some players might want to complete every challenge of every event or compete in the leaderboard in every event, right? There's a lot of different systems a lot of different things to want in, in a typical mid-core elder game. Um, and so different play styles can cater to different elder game loops. So um, now with that deep dive on our, on our theoretical homework game of life, we can see the difference between viewing it not as a core loop like we did at the start. I, I do homework, I get, I get good grades, rinse and repeat. Um, but it's a series of loops that build on top of each other. Right. And, and at the start of the first loop I describe, uh, at the start is the first loop, right? I do homework to gain knowledge. I use knowledge on tests to get good grades. You know, the same way the elder game branches in our example homework game, so too do the elder games of great live ops experiences branch into different activities for different users, right? If I'm thinking about a typical mid-core game, uh, like if I'm thinking about AFK Arena, w- which I love, that's one of those games I, I played every day for six months. Uh, you might have players who specialize in PvP or GVG or PvE, or yeah. you might have players who care about collections or uh, completing every challenge or competing in every event leaderboard, right? There are many different elder games. And, you know, thinking about AFK Arena, it's fundamentally, right, if, if, if you put it on paper without playing it, there's not that much difference between uh, AFK Arena and Heroes Charge, which came, you know, that's the game I was talking about six years ago when I was doing uh, the okay. homework game. Yeah. If someone pitched those two games to you, they're kind of the same, but AFK Arena has turned into one of the top grossing mobile games in the world. I think they're, they're probably one of those billion dollar a year games right now. Uh, where Heroes Charge didn't, it was successful, but not nearly that successful. And even the Tower of Want looks very similar for those two elder games, but but the specifics of how you as the game maker implement them really matter, right? When I was playing uh, Heroes Charge and I was really into the elder game, I remember 
um, kind of, it, it felt like PVP was the pinnacle of the game and mm. uh, the payout structure for PVP, like the whole point of the game was to get powerful heroes so that you could win at PVP. And yeah. uh, I remember I got to the point where I had Wukong, like the hero I'd been working at earning for a couple weeks or months. I was trying to get him for free or get, get him in a gotcha pack. And I finally got him and I started winning at, uh, I, I got a little bit higher up the PVP ladder, um, but not that much higher. I would still have to invest in him and get a lot of copies of Wukong to really climb the PVP ladder. And the payouts I remember for, for that elder game were terrible right like i basically uh, a lot of times i don't do the math and i don't think players do yeah but i was looking at heroes charge and i thought okay if i really want to fully level wukong and be on top of this pvp ladder um i'm gonna have to spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars opening gotcha packs uh trying to get more copies of him and a bunch of junk and Mm -hmm. you know what the rewards for pvp really aren't great and I'm not intrinsically motivated to keep going at this. So I'm just, I'm done with Heroes Charge. And that yeah. to me was why like those specifics of the Elder game is what I think is difference about uh, Heroes Charge versus AFK Arena. I find that the um, reward loops are much better in AFK Arena. The yeah. um, There are more Elder games. I really love the Labyrinth in AFK Arena. That was one of the most fun things to play back when I was playing it. And the event structure was much better. I, I don't think Heroes Charge even had what uh, you would consider events, whereas AFK Arena, I think they do, you know, they're up there best in class in the world right now for events. And so just this tool alone, this tool gives you the scaffolding to help build it, um, but it doesn't solve all your problems for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so just, you know, tying it back to the homework game, for a minute, right? We can we can see the difference now, uh, both in this theoretical homework game and now in you know AFK Arena and Heroes Charge of the difference between looking at something as a core loop, not just a core loop, but a series of loops that build on top of each other, right? Homework game starts with that homework loop I described, do homework, gain knowledge, use knowledge, get good grades. But then you go to college where you use the exact same skills. You're still running the homework loop, uh, but you might also have a, a core loop like the internship loop, right? Which is the, for me, it was sync time doing menial tasks to tap work experience. Yeah. And then when you graduate school, you spend your grades and your work experience to get a job. And once you get a job, you're, you're still doing the home, homework and you're still doing menial tasks. You're still doing these core loops, but eventually you level up your skills and you go from menial tasks to meaningful work. But like fundamentally in the homework game, you're doing the same things over and over and over, right? Uh, when I was in college, I was writing documents. I was uh, crafting values and spreadsheets. That's the homework loop. And I was yeah. ordering dinner for people and making sure their needs were met. That was the internship loop. Yep. Yeah. Now. So it, yeah. <laughs> it, it becomes like, you know, this, the, the previous loops sort of don't fade away. You still mm-hmm. like in the, <laughs> like, like. Like I went through the kind of like the the startup game. Uh, you still mm-hmm. you're still you know working in Excel. You're still having your hands on a keyboard. What 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 happens there is that you learn to actually like go after certain things. Uh, you build skills. You you end up you know delegating stuff to other people. You end up better at saying no to things versus like 
what you say yes to. So that's how you select what you bring along from the previous loops, I guess. And you want to know what matters always in this this next loop of the Tower of Wands, and it needs to matter for you. Otherwise, you're going to quit. Yep, yep. And so I, I think we've now reached the breaking point where, where the homework yeah. the metaphor is stretched as far as it can possibly go. But I, I think this real world example, and then even just comparing it to AFK Arena and um, Heroes Charge, you, you can see um, uh, how what we're calling the homework game, this escalating series of core loops, each building on each other. Um, that's what a well-crafted free-to-play game looks like. Uh, whether it's Legendary, AFK, Game of Thrones, Coin Master, um, you're still largely doing the same things in your hundredth hour as you were in the first. Uh, but those actions have led to months and months worth of your investment in progression. You're investing your time and your money. You're sinking your real life resources into the elder game activity or activities. Yeah, yeah, it's all the all those great games that continue to be highly profitable in that that category of the 1 billion plus a year mm-hmm. games like years after they were released so like those are the ones that really are still able to graduate their players to new levels and pro- provide like this new and exciting fresh experiences for them like years to come so i guess that's like you can observe what those games are doing right like Pokemon has Pokemon Go has their own, you know, elder game where you finally getting your hands on the the most like the prestigious Pokemon. So like Five of Clans, you you're climbing uh, the tournaments, the ladders. Uh, you're getting your base better and better, uh, and then there's new interesting gameplay coming in that you need to master. That's another loop again. So I I think the the you know, the excitement and the freshness really needs to be there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just like uh, to, to tie it back to the start of our conversation uh, where you were talking about the importance of retention and longevity in the early uh, metrics that make a company worth investing in. I think this sort of uh, long-term growth is where it leads, mm-hmm. right? As you've yeah. said, you're, you're looking for a company that can build experiences with exponential growth potential. So in, in most cases, I can think of uh, what powers that exponential growth of revenue uh, is profitable marketing that fuels the long-term stacking of users engaged with your game and, and spending over the course of months and years, right? Legendary is a perfect example. Uh, last year, Network, we, we said we've earned over $250 million in revenue, having spent over $150 million in marketing, right? We've been able to do that it thanks in part to a well-crafted elder game, right? You, you combine that well-crafted elder game with world-class events, uh, amazing PMs and, and live ops and marketers all working together. And, and we're almost at our five-year anniversary since our worldwide launch and still going strong, right? So when you get that elder game right and you've got great people and great events and great marketing all, all combining, you can have a, a year that a game that, that lasts for years, years and years. Um, and, you know, I, I've been talking about the, to- uh, thinking about the Tower of Want a lot as I've started working more on our publishing effort on the network scale platform, right? I've been looking at some of the games we partner with now and think about how they can be improved. 
And a lot of that is breaking apart the elder game, seeing where the opportunities to add more progression depth and, and what are the best game systems to add depth in a way that's fun for the players and has the ability to monetize. And how can we insert these uh, familiar systems like events, gotcha guilds into games that are already successful, uh, but might not have been built with them in the first place. And just, you know, and in, in my experience, it's always more of a challenge to like, put great gotcha into a game that's already built and already live than one that you're building. It's, it's possible, but it's challenging. And so where this mental framework, the Tower of Want, where I think it's most helpful is, is at the very start of setting up a new game. Um, you know, you're still starting with the core loop. What's that first activity loop? What are those sinks and taps that the player is going to experience in their first session? And that's going to carry them through to their hundredth session. But then how do you build on that? What, what is the player's motivation? Uh, what is there so that I can that builds the tower up and up and up? And then finally, what are your elder game or what are your elder game? Uh, does the design of your core loop uh, have enough mechanical depth to support all those different elder game loops uh, you're picturing for your players? You know, I uh, back to legendary for a minute. I think that if we had thought more about the elder games we were going to have, um, one of the things I wish we'd done differently, you know, it's, it's a successful game, but it could have been, it, it can, everything can always be more successful. And, and I, as a designer, look back at legendary and I go, I really wish we had done the stats different because the, um, the heroes and the enemies that you're fighting have different stats. Their, their health works differently and their attack works differently. And if we'd had stat parity, we could have a much better PVP game than we have. And so like, if we built that tower of want and said like, okay, we're going to have a PVP game and a GVG game and a PVE game and, and a, a guild versus environment game. And they kind of look like this and this and this and this, we would have gone back to our first loop of match gems, activate skills to get loot, uh, to beat monsters, to get loot. And we might've said, Hey, I think we're making this fundamentally wrong decision down here in the core loop and uh, we can do better. And by doing better, our elder game will be like X, Y, or Z. And, um, you know, legendary is plenty successful, but I wish it had been more successful. And I think it could have, if we had uh, used this sort of tool, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And so like, if you, if you have that tower of want, you have your core loop, you know what the player is going to do at each stage of their player life and you know why they're going to do it then you can make sure your monetization strategy is sound. You can say, okay, what's an early player going to want to buy and why is it going to help them? What's a mid-game player going to buy and why is that going to help them? What's mm -hmm. an elder player doing PvP going to buy and how's that different than what a GVD player might buy? Um, are these purchases repeatable? Uh, will the payoff be worth it to the player, both of investing time in the elder game and of uh, money into whatever it is they're buying? And then, you know, if you're in a mid-core genre, this, this doesn't really matter for Tomb Blast, but, you know, are you selling, uh, are, are you going to be able to keep selling what you're selling without a reliance on power creep? Yeah. You know, power creep's a big issue uh, for mid-core games, and it can break a game's economy and cause a mass exodus of, of MDAO. We've seen that in other popular games uh, that used to be billion-dollar games and aren't anymore. Um, mm. So, you know, none of this is simple. Uh, it might sound simple explaining it this way. N none of it's simple, uh, but answering these questions isn't easy. But but if you can do it all at the high level at the start of your project, you'll have built a really strong foundation and long-term vision 
uh, to build your game around it. Hopefully that vision will then turn into long-term retention for your players and success for you and anyone who has invested their time or money into your game. Yeah, man, totally agree on those. So I, I think like to add here, I think where, where these new game studios that are going out, pitching to investors and thinking about like, do they build a tower of one? So I think there's a few ways to think about it at the early stage as a small team. So like just thinking about like people who are doing hyper casual, but there's a lot of people who are transitioning from hyper casual to try to build out games that have more of these kind of meta game uh, in, in their games. I think the tower of one can be used to visualize what a player would be doing on a you know one or two year journey in, into a game that you're thinking about. Because I guess the, the main motivation to actually flee the hyper casual market at the moment mm-hmm. is that the, the LTVs aren't really strong enough to sustain uh, user acquisition costs. Um, so how do you model out that design for a deeper game? You, can, you could pick up the tower of want to actually do that. And then another mm-hmm. studio that's really coming up a lot is these people who are doing merge games in, in mobile, which is really like a hot genre in mm-hmm. 2021. Um, so a Tower of Wand can be a tool there where you start working out how the merge game could retain players for years. So you you build out uh, what kind of uh, structures will be in place to actually like make it interesting later on for players. So you're not just focusing mm-hmm. on like, hey, we have amazing you know, early metrics for the game uh, where, you know, like a home, this is a home run. But mm-hmm. yeah, like how do you actually bet on people staying that you can start stacking DAU versus just keeping players for a while? And, you know, at the end of the day, the whole whole concept of Tower of Want, it is a design tool that allows the, the teams to visualize the player journey uh, for years on. And I, I think it's also like what I've experienced and seen with as teams work together on these games. When you have a visualization tool like this, you can start making that discussion and, and making decisions on the design much easier. Mm-hmm. And you can reveal sort of pitfalls of like, hey, PVP uh, is introduced over here, but hey, what, what's going to happen between here and there before the player gets there? <laughs> like, right. how do you set up the goals? Why is it meaningful to have PvP introduced at the mid game or whatnot? So, like having having a tool like this visualize the player journey will be a lot lot better for the, the teams to to make decisions. Yeah, yeah. If if more teams came to you as a potential investor, uh, having put the put in this type of work, having thought really deeply about their long term retention strategy in their elder game. Uh, would it give you more confidence in in their vision and abilities? Yeah, totally. I think like especially when you're pitching a game that is in a competitive market. Right. Like I was bringing up the MOBA example. It's a yeah, like that's one of the most competitive ones, and merge is most likely going to turn into a competitive market as well soon. So your understanding past the the MVP game that you're building right now to get the early retention numbers. I think it's crucial to show that you know that you need to have some differentiators mm-hmm. for for players to stick around like what will make the players in this genre to to choose your game over the competitors 
like a tower of want can really like bring clarity into like what drives player retention in day day seven day 30 day 60 mm-hmm. day 360 day 720 and you know yeah. onwards because you want to keep the players there that's the end of the, the whole yeah. idea here but man this was so much fun uh thanks ethan this was like really good uh i think yeah, i hope a lot of li- yeah I, I hope a lot of the listeners will go and pick up the or watch the videos i, I think they're on youtube so uh, we're gonna share the links in the show notes so you, they can find uh, the the proper videos. So check those out. And man, let's do this again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again, Ethan, for coming on the show. If you like our content, please hit follow or subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And in the meantime, please go and check out our website at EliteGameDevelopers.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter on what's happening in gaming startups. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.